Today's message, today's message is entitled Boss Mom, Women with Power. Boss Mom, Women with Power. Say that with me. Boss Mom, Women with Power. All right. Boss Mom, Women with Power. Listen, God understands that being involved in business can change your life. When you think of women of the Bible, there were some very powerful women in the Bible who were assets to the kingdom of God. We know that the uh, virtuous woman in Proverbs 30, uh, who talks about being uh, a businesswoman and taking care of her family, and mothers and women have been boss moms and boss women for a very long time. But they do that a lot of times through the lens of business. Uh, Watch this now. I'm going to show you today that a lot of times women see raising a child from a business perspective. They see building their family from a business perspective. They open their own businesses and run it from a business perspective perspective. From the root word of business, we have busyness. The business. You are the business, which means women and moms are one of the busiest people in the world. And when you're busy, you have to add a nest to it to provide structure uh, to be able to do that business in to where the business is impactful and effective. There is such a thing as being a good parent and a bad parent. The better parents are parents who have found the business of parenting. God, you're going to go with me, I hope. When I was growing up, I always wanted to be a businessman. I, in my mind, was white collar. I always wanted to be a senator or the president. Thank God I did not go that route. The Lord steered me away. I used to watch Hotel. How many of you remember Hotel? The show called Hotel. I can't remember the gentleman's name. He was the general manager and he would walk through the hotel and he would tell people what to do and he would dream up big dreams about the hotel. And I dreamed of being a general manager of a hotel one day simply from watching that show. You have to find how to view things in your life from a business perspective. So as we look at the family business, we're continuing our series on the family business, we have to learn how to live our lives from a business perspective. If our lives are lived as a ministry for the glory of God, then we have to learn how to be bosses. I'm talking about boss moms today, but a lot of this can be inferred to men and nieces, nephews, aunties, uncles, cousins, whatever you are, you can take it from there as well. But I want to talk about boss moms today and how incredible they are. Let me go on and share a few things with you. Let me put this on the screen. Businesses can change you in the following ways. Businesses can change you by putting you in a better position financially. 
When you think from a business perspective, it enhances your finances. It can also enlarge your living space. When you think from a business perspective, you can make choices that put you in a position to live larger. It gives you educational opportunities. Businesses can change you by giving you opportunities to broaden your mind to learn new studies. Business can also give you a perspective of self and others, a different perspective. It helps you see yourself and others in a different way. You also can be increased in influence. This business can change you by giving you influence with more people than you may not have had influence with in the past. And then lastly, it opens new doors for you. It opens doors for you that you might not have ever experienced from just being in that position. So I wanted to share those few things with you and help you understand how business can change you. But with all the good that businesses offer, that business offer, it seems that this blessing or benefit hasn't been equally afforded to women, more specifically mothers. So while we go through this list of items on where we know men have prospered and taken advantage of all of these, it has not always been as equally afforded to women. People don't take women as seriously or mothers as seriously because they think you got your hands full with children and you don't know how to operate a business. Well, mothers were considered to just sit around at home and watch the kids. But what I've learned is that parenting a child is very much like parenting a business. Can I get an amen from some mother out there? We often say we birth a business. Entrepreneurs and Christian leaders often say we have birthed a business. Well, you get the concept of birthing a business because birthing a business is like birthing a child. You have to raise that child. You have to nurture that child. You have to instill vision and capacity in that child. You have to protect that child. You have to provide for that child. There are a lot of similarities, but the difference is a lot of people don't view their life from a business perspective. Uh Uh-oh, let me change the word to franchise perspective. So I did some research to look up successful mothers who were running their own businesses, and I found some amazing insights from them. And so I want to share a few with you. The first insight I realized is that mothers are mothers of passion, as well as mothers of children. Women or mothers learn how to develop or birth a passion. Passions are birthed. Passions are raised. Passions are released. Passions are applauded. Passions are nurtured. Passions are loved. And these things, women in business have passion. So I looked up the woman and I talked about these, they talked about these different mothers and what their businesses, what they did for them. And they all gave different comments. One of them talked about, 
You have to have passion when you're raising children and you're running a business. Number two, let me go to this. The mothers adapt. As mothers learn to adapt in new adventures and unpredictable experiences, it prepares them for the same risks that come with their audacious passions. So here we have mothers who are able to adapt. Parenting makes you adapt because when you're raising a child, there are lots of new adventures and unpredictable experiences. I remember when I ate dirt for the first time. I remember when I made a mud pie. Sharon, I don't know if you were home when I did this. I know Ducci, my brother was, he was in the backyard and he came out in the back. But I made, listen to me, listen to me. I made a mud pie and I put icing on it. Well, what do you think the icing was? The icing was green paint. It was green paint from the garage. My daddy had some paint in the garage. I went in the garage, got that wooden little stick, and I painted the icing on the mud pie. You can't tell me that sometimes a business owner comes in and they realize somebody has made a mud pie with green paint on. In other words, unpredictable adventures come your way. And if mothers can deal with the unpredictable adventures of children, certainly they can deal with the unpredictable adventures of a business. If I had more time, I'd tell you a whole lot about unpredictable adventures that my mother had to come out and try to, to, to get me or to run out screaming when I rode my mini bike into the pool to save my nephew who was drowning in the backyard. Unpredictable adventures. I got some more, but I don't want to labor you and we're already late. So I'm going to move on to the next one. Mothers adapt. And then the third mother, she talked about how you have to be able to include your life in the business. I like this one. So look, you have to learn how to do that report with the baby in your hand. Mothers might be better business owners because they have learned the art of including life in their work. And with today's stresses and demands, people need to learn better the balance between work and life. I think mothers have that figured out. Mothers know how to work with a baby on their hip. They know how to get to the market or get to the office supply to pick up some folders while you got the baby in the stroller. In other words, they learn how to bring flip-flops. Men don't do this. We wear our Ferragamos, but we don't bring tennis shoes to work to take a walk up the stairs. Women know that they're going to need to get some walks in and so they prepare. They had That's why they carry them bags. A woman always got a bag. My mother always had a bag. You Baby, you get my bag before I go jump in the fume smoking 69 blue mustang that almost killed us because the fumes from it but mama would always have her work bag because in the work bag was plenty of stuff listen brothers need but business owners always need to have an anti-shy case or some sort of bag to be able to reach into for unexpected situations you have to include life in your business because life happens let me move to the next one i'm trying to move fast a little bit 
And listen, women and mothers are committed. As motherhood comes with 18 years of commitment, mothers are more likely to be committed to a business long term. Now, let me just make this clear. Ain't nobody have no child and it stops at 18. You must be out of your mind. So a mother is committed to a child long beyond 18, which means then if a mother is more committed to a child long term, then a mother is more committed to a business long term. I haven't looked up the statistics, but I would be uh, anxious to see that it is true that more women stay stable and faithful at jobs than men do. Uh, That's all right. I don't have time to pull up the numbers, but mothers are women are more likely to stick around than men are. Men change their mind all the time. They got a new theory, a new idea, a new creation or something they're working on. But women, ah, God, they hunker down. Mothers get down in the trenches and say, no matter what you go through, I'll be there when you call me. I'll be there when you need me to pick you up. I'll be there when you need some response. Let me go on to the next one. We learn that mothers are committed. In addition, we learned that mothers are women in business are about balance. Now watch this. Now listen to what I'm talking about. Not balance between work and life here, but motherhood teaches balance between the push and the surrender. That's what I want to talk about. The push and the surrender. Women have a good idea. They know how much to push And then they know when to just give up and say, ah, it ain't worth it. Women have a better balance on how to push and surrender. Men, on the other hand, are stubborn. They're bullheaded. And we think push, 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 and push, and push, and push. We try to force things. If it don't fit, don't force it, bruh. Learn when to cower down and say, I will approach it a different way on another day. Women are masters at learning how to come back at it again. Another, let me say it another way at a different time. Ah, mothers are masters of balance between the push and surrender. Ah, let me move on. I know these are juicy. You think I'm already preaching, but I'm not. Listen, women and mothers are resilient. Mothers are resilient. Listen to this. I'm going to say this with caution and I'm going to say it with care and compassion. If there are any mothers who have miscarried and went on to have a child after the miscarriage, these mothers are best fit for business because they have already endured the harshest of disappointments and have survived on the other end to triumph through trying again. What I'm trying to say is that the many miscarriages and abortions of life, not necessarily literally, but spiritually or emotionally or relationally or positionally, there have been miscarriages and disappointments and tragedies that they have experienced. And you want to make sure you get staff on your team who have gone through some stuff because they learn how to go through and to come out on the other side. There's nothing worse than being in trouble 
trouble with somebody who's scared to death and can't see their way out. All they do is whine and cry and complain about, oh Lord, how are we going to get it? You need somebody who's gone through it already. Listen, baby, I had a miscarriage, but look at child number one, number two. I had another baby after that. Or in other words, I lost a job before. I learned how to push back. I learned how to get another job. They foreclosed on my house, but I bought another one. In other words, women and mothers know how to get through stuff and to start on the other side. Oh, I love women on my team. I love them because they know how to get the job done. I got to move on. I'm moving on. Let me move to the next one. This next one is they plan loosely. Mothers plan loosely. Motherhood has taught them. Look here, don't you go, don't you go taking the kids to the zoo thinking that everything is going to happen as you have planned it. You must be out of your mind. The baby left the peanut butter and jelly sandwich bag that told you to get off the table. Now you don't have lunch. You got to improvise. They left the shoe. The shoe is, the shoe string broke. Now you got to figure out how to make the shoe. In other words, you got to plan loosely. Don't hold on to any plans too tightly. Mothers know how to go. And, and, and man, mama used to take all four of us to Disneyland and Magic Mountain. And let me tell you something, it didn't always go as planned. Mama had to make some adjustments and mothers in business know how to adjust plans in business as an entrepreneur, as a leader, as a manager, as an executive. I've sat at meetings and I thought the meeting was going to go one way. But by the time I heard from the other team members and the stuff that came up, we had to revamp. What's plan B? Does anybody have a plan B and a plan C? But you are going through this Weak thinking that everything's going to happen per plan A. You need to take some notes from motherhood and they will let you know. Plan loosely, baby. Plan loosely. Let me go to the next slide. Not only that, but mothers practice self-care. I only have a couple more after this. Don't worry. Mothers practice self-care. I like that. Mm. In business, mothers understand that you can't be healthy. You can't be unhealthy trying to raise kids. You have to take care of yourself in order to be able to take care of your family. So same way, if you're running a business, you've got to be able to take care of yourself in order to take care of your business. A mother must always be healthy enough to be a nurse. I'm going to say that again. A mother must... Let somebody fall down and hurt themselves. Mama is sick in the bed, coughing. She will get up out of the bed come to try to take care of the kids because that's just what she does. She is front line. A mother is front line, not behind the scenes. And oftentimes today when I go out and I do uh, uh, IT work or consult and do professional positions, they're looking for somebody, not my executive level status. You know, a lot. I don't do a lot of the stuff I used to do, but I'm on a different level. But so on this level, a lot of times people just want to just sit there and make decisions. But now in this world, the way it's set up this remote work and all this stuff. They want a professional who not only can make decisions and manage, but they want people who are, can get hands on and be front line. And I tell them, yeah, I know how to do the work as well as manage the work. And that's the way you have to be. You can't go through this year as a Christian saying, oh, the pastor will do it. Oh, everybody else will do it. Let them do it. No, you've got to be hands on and take a note to make 
make sure you take care of yourself so you can be a viable player in the game. Here we go to the next one. Not only mothers are masters of the changed mind. I like that one. Masters of the changed mind. While many businesses fail because they fail to change, mothers have mastered the art of the changed mind. Men are stuck in tradition. Men don't like changing things. And often right in the middle of a sequence of events, a woman, a mother knows it's time to change your mind. I've been preaching sometimes in a congregation and I've been flowing a certain way and I'm looking at their responses and I've had to change my mind. In the middle of preaching, I've had to change what I was preaching about. I had prepared a youth sermon. They told me it was a youth revival. But when I got to the church, it was full of seniors. So when I got up to the pulpit to preach a youth sermon to the average person who was over 65, I had to change my manuscript. Mothers know how to change their mind in the middle of a sequence of events. And I came to tell you when you're in business and when you're a franchise and when you're serving God, you've got to walk out in the world and you've got to be able to change your mind in the middle of a sequence because the Holy Spirit can just drop on you in a second and say, go that way. You feel a prompting or an intuition, we call it, where the Holy Spirit begins to, don't you know the Bible says, order my steps in the Lord. It didn't say order my way. It said order my steps. That means one step at a time. In other words, God may change your direction for your next step, and you have to be in tune with God to be able to be a master of a changed mind. Let me go on. As I wrap this up, I want to tell you that mamas don't quit. Mamas don't quit. Mothers don't have the option to quit being a parent. Has anybody ever heard of a parent quitting? A parent can't quit. You don't have the option to quit. You're a parent by blood. So when the challenges of business hit them square in the face, quitting is not an option. Even though you feel like quitting every day, you can't quit because you are a parent by blood. In other words, your drive, your passion. Listen, I can't quit serving God. The Bible, Paul said, the love of God constrains us to do what we do. When you are a franchise and you're serving God, you can't help but get up and be a blessing to somebody. You can't quit ministry. You can't, even though I said I was, even though I said I wanted to, Jeremiah said it like this. I can't do this no more. And then he turned around and said, never mind, Lord, be your, your word is like fire shut up in my bones. In other words, something inside of you tells you you're a mother. Something wakes you up in the middle of the night and tells you you're a preacher. Something wakes you up and tells you you're a servant of the most high God. And you better get back on that piano. You better get back in that choir. You better get back on that deacon board. You better get back and working and serving because you can't quit. You're connected by blood. How could you not think? Listen to this, Brother Dana. How could you not think a woman could run a business when they in fact run it doing all the administration of the business? Women run the business in the first place. It's just the man is making the calls and he's sitting up there making the decisions. But she made, she hooked up the phone. She set up the meetings. The only thing they don't 
don't do is bear the responsibility of the decisions made by somebody else who owns the title. But they can make the decisions if they needed to since they are most familiar with the work presented to the boss to decide and negotiate. The woman at the desk, your administrative secretary or the person you're working with, your project manager or your executive knows everything anyway. How could you say she can't run the business? What's wrong with you just because she's a female? Are you an idiot? A woman knows the business and she can run the business and she does it because she knows she cannot quit. Here's the last one. This one ought to make you laugh. Look at who is, whose mom is this? Whose mom is this? Mamas have learned the art of ignoring perfection. They ignore perfection. Moms know that perfection is an elusive subterfuge and cannot be trusted. So they have substituted surrender for perfection. In other words, they stop chasing the ghosts of perfection and they've learned the art of surrender. When things don't play out as perfectly as planned, they learn how to try something another way. So I began to search the scriptures to find someone as bad as these ladies of our consumer world. And mind you, all of those tips that I just read you are from actual women from a research article, articles that I pulled up to find. These women exist. Everything I just God dog it. Come on, ladies. We honor you today. These women are real women in the world. So I had to reach back into the archives of the ancient histories of the scrolls and the texts of our almighty God. And I had to find scripture where someone in the scripture was just a bad lady, a boss mama in the scripture. And I came across a woman named Lydia. She was the seller of purple and she sold fabric dyed in purple. She was successful because she sold something that couldn't be acquired anywhere else. You know what makes a mama a mama? A mama is a mama because a mama is the only one who can have a baby. Come on, y'all. A mama is nurtured and she's honored on this day and month because there ain't but one mama and only one mama can have a baby. I know they testing, trying to make men have them in implementation and all this t- plant implantation, all that stuff. And let me tell you something, tell you something. The original order of things is that the mama is the only one who could birth a child through her canal. So Lydia was successful and you're successful in business when you can find something that nobody else can do. She understood that a business but, uh, 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 but produce something that people need to come to you for, that her business would be successful if you produce something that people need you for. You can get from them what they can't get for themselves. In other words, come to me, I'll get it for you. Come to me, I'll get it for you. That's what a business owner is. That's what a mother is. They're able to define life in the scope of the reality of they're able to do things that other people can't do. Come on, I know you like to call them Superman, but sometimes I like to call a Supermama. <laughs> Supermama can do stuff that other other people cannot do. Women have broken records all across the world. They may not be acknowledged and there's lots of women who are doing incredible things today, but no TV stations are documenting it. That's called being resourceful. And women and mothers everywhere have always been resourceful, as we will see later in the text. So turn with me to the book of Acts, chapter 16, verses 13 through 15 and let's look at this boss mom Lydia and let's see why she's such a powerful woman of change. Let me take you to the text today. 
and the text says, uh, let me just give you this before I read the text. Lydia's name means travail. Her name means travail. And so in today's text, we will see her in these different lights. We'll see her as a woman who prayed. We'll see her as a woman who worshiped. We'll see her as a woman who listens, a woman who shares her family, and a woman who opens her life and her home. Let me read the text for you. Verse 13 says, and on the Sabbath day, we went outside the gate to a riverside where we were supposing that there would be a place of prayer. And we sat down and began speaking to the women who had assembled, women who had assembled by the river. A woman named Lydia from the city of Thyatira, a seller of purple fabrics, a worshiper of God was listening and the Lord opened her heart to respond to the things spoken by Paul. Verse 15, and when she and her, here it is, household had been baptized, gone bad mama, she urged us saying, if you have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come into my house and stay, and she prevailed upon us. Let me go back to the beginning of this text in verse 13, and I want you to understand this passage. It was the Sabbath day here, and Paul and his team were looking for some place to pray. And when they got to this place of prayer, they found other women there already so that they sat down to talk with them there. Mothers always or often find themselves in the right place at the right time. So women are successful because you can find mothers where in the the room of prayer. You can find women wherever there is a cry out to God. A mother will pray quicker than a father any day. A real mother who has a relationship with God, a woman will be found praying before a man is praying. And that's why Romans says to men, he says, I would that men pray always (laughs) because he's trying to encourage us. Come on, catch up men, catch up you slow men. Come on, big Ben, cousin Kevin, Romeo, come on PC, catch up with these women who are orators, who are originators of prayer. Women are successful because they listen and they learn. They went on the Sabbath day to pray because prayer is not a work. It was the Sabbath day. I preach you, I feel him right now. I got to go quickly. We're running out of time. But it was the Sabbath day. In other words, what nothing else to be going on. Stop trying to pray while you're eating your donut and driving your car. Find a time to pray when nothing else is happening because when you pray in the solitude, uh, you can hear from God. Does not Matthew 6 and 9 through 13 or Matthew 6 say, when you enter, when you go to pray, he says, enter in your closet in secret. Uh, In other words, find the place where it's just you and God, where you can have that moment without interruption because prayer is not a work. It's not something you have to drudge up. Prayer is a privilege. Come on, somebody. They went outside of the city by a river, verse 13 said, because women are resourceful. They went outside of their own territories because often they are accepted. They are not accepted at home. So when people don't accept you at home, you got to go outside of your territory. It is said that there was no temple in, uh, there was no synagogue in Philippi. So they had to go outside to find a place to pray. (laughs) So I'm telling 
telling you, if your husband don't love the Lord, if your family don't love the Lord, if you can't sing and praise God at home, then find another place. Go outside the house. Go to the backyard. Go to the mom shed. The one, the, your she shed. Somebody get your she shed on fire. Somebody go to your she shed. Come on, I feel you. Holy, you pat me on the butt, Holy Spirit. I feel you. Find your she shed and talk to God when your husband don't want to or your kids don't want to. Even when your church don't want to do the prayer in, the all night prayer, then you find a way to pray. God, I got to move on. They live by rivers as a river represents a resource for so many things, washing and, and drinking. So the place of prayer was by a resource. I'm telling you, God will take you to a place of prayer and put you right by the thing that's able to give you what you need. Uh, a woman, she was not only then a woman who prayed, but she was also a woman who worshiped. If you look at verse 14, it says a woman named Lydia from the city of Thyatira, a seller of purple fabrics, a worshiper of God. Now, Lydia was her Greek name. Meaning she was not even Jewish, but she was worshiping the Jewish God she had heard of. In other words, the New Testament church had not necessarily reached her or formed with her. So she had to learn this God, but she was recognizing the Jewish God and she wasn't even a Jew. Do you hear me? Women find out, so let her go into a woman's purse. She got a coupon about something. You and you go in the store, a man will go in the store and pay full price for something that she's all already searched online to find it for $5 off. I'm telling you, a woman is resourceful. She knows about stuff that hasn't even reached us yet. If you ask your wife, if, oh God, come on, help me somebody. Come on. Mamas, talk back to me. Women, I hope you're talking back to me. Thyatira, is a place of garment making. She lived in Thyatira because that's where her business would thrive. You got to position your life to where your business thrives. So she was in the garment making business. She was, this was a place of pottery work. This is the place where they dyed clothes and, and garments and other trades were there. The name means, watch this, the name Thyatira means odor of affliction. Now listen to this. Lydia meant Lydia meant travail and she lived in Thyatira which meant odor of, of affliction. Come on, you better tell me somebody. You better put this woman on your team. She has a spirit of travailing and she lives in the place with the odor of affliction but she's still a successful businesswoman. She's still a worshiper of God. The church of Thyatira, do you remember that? You read it in Revelation 1.11. The church of Thyatira do you know, hello, newsflash, preaching, see why the church at Thyatira is there probably because of Lydia. She probably started it based on her conversion because there were no churches in that area. She was the first Christian converted in the European area. And so the church of Thyatira may not even be in Revelation if it wasn't for boss mama, Lydia, who was representing by the Riverside. She was a woman in a place that meant affliction and a name that meant travail. And yet she looked outside of herself to something bigger. Do you get worship means when you worship, you, you look out bigger than what your, your, your marital problems. You, a worshiper doesn't let their life, their financial discomforts or their physical ailments keep them from looking out to something bigger. Worship means I see, I see a brighter day ahead. Worship means the light is coming. Worship 
worship means hope is on the horizon. If you can't worship, you have allowed your life to choke the life out of you. God's life is about abundance and worship makes that abundantly clear. Lydia had a vision that things would get better and every mother must have the idea that things are going to get better. Every franchisee, every servant of the Lord must serve saying things are going to get better. Somebody just say that with me right now. Things are going to get better. I'm worshiping because things are going to get better and worship is a sign to all the family that there is someone greater than us. When the family doesn't worship, they are are saying they are the highest entity of their family. Whenever you have somebody who doesn't worship in your household, that person wants to be worshipped. Ah, I just swooped it on you. The person in your family who doesn't want to worship wants to be worshipped. They think they are the highest deity and entity and you've got to flip that thing because God said, I am God and beside me there is none other. He said in the Ten Commandments, I will have no other God before me. So if you've got a family that's bifurcated or broken in the middle behind worship, you're going to have problems in the house because God will not say choose between me. He says, worship me and me alone. You can't worship me and worship your husband. You can't worship me and worship your children. You can't worship me and worship your Fendi bag or your Michael Kors purse. You can't worship me and worship your Range Rover. You can't worship me and worship the clothes you got on. You've got to worship me and and me alone. Somebody ought to say hallelujah. I hope I'm preaching. When the family doesn't worship together, the family is broken apart. The Bible said in 14 that she listened. She was a worshiper of God and she listened. So she was also a woman who listened. Boss mamas listen. Women learn how to listen. Men are too stubborn. I got it. I know how to do it. I know how to do it. I got it. I got it. I got it. I know how to do it. I got it. I got it. I got it. I know how to do it. I got it. I got it. I don't need you to tell me how to do it. I got it. I got it. I got it. I don't need I got it. I got it. Don't worry about it. I got it, dog. I got it. I got it, dog. Women know how to. Women say. Women say. Well, well, show me. Show me how to. That's why women are good at jobs. Women are good because they sit down and they take training well. God. Oh man, I wish men would be more uh, men who can be trained. Women know how to listen. Somebody ought to shout hallelujah. And when women learn, why do women learn? Why do women listen? Because watch this little Ben, watch this Carolyn. Women can women can listen because worship opens you up. Worship will get you before God. It'll soften your core and then it'll open you up. And then when you're opened up, then God can speak to you. But when you're a man talking about, I got it, I got it, I got it, I don't need your help, I ain't got it, I got it. And when you want worship, when you want worship, then you can't listen. You can't hear anything. Your ears are hard. They're plugged up and you cannot hear or see God. So worship opens you up to be able to listen. So while she, listen to the, will you get this? This is ridiculous. She's by the river with other women minding her own business praying. Paul comes by and begins to talk to them. She starts teaching. He starts teaching. She's worshiping the Lord and now the Lord is about to open up her heart to hear what Paul, who she didn't even know was supposed to be coming past her way. She ends up getting baptized in the river that she happens to be by. You're going to tell me this is not an arranged situation? God, hold on a minute. So learn to make listening a separate step than listening and formulating thoughts about what you've heard. In other words,
words, worship is one step and listening is another. In other words, make listening a separate step. Most of us listen while we're formulating our thought. I'm telling you, you have to listen first, then do the thought. Most of us try to get the information and we're forming our rebuttal. We're forming our response while we're listening. That's not listening. That's forming your response. And so the reason Lydia was able to hear from God because the Bible said she listened. She wasn't forming a response to Paul. She wasn't forming a defense. She wasn't forming what she was going to tell him about who she was. All she did was listen. And when you listen, it has to be a separate step because you open up first and listening then leads to understanding. That's why a counselor say when you talk to somebody and you tell them something, you ask them to repeat exactly what you said because we're trying to see if you are listening. Worship prepares the heart and ears to hear what thus saith the Lord. Does not the Bible say faith comes by hearing and hearing by eh, the word of God. If I had an organ, I'd tune up right now. (laughs) Worship prepares the heart and the ears for what the Lord is trying to say. And many people don't hear because they do not worship. You're asking God to give you guidance in your household, but you don't worship. And worship opens you up to hear. So you can't hear. God is trying to talk to you, but you can't hear. But you can only hear when you worship. Before your next meeting, I tell you this, before your next meeting, at your next job, before your next family meeting, before your next argument with your boo, worship first. Worship first. Find you a corner and worship first and say, God, open me up. Open me up, not to my agenda, not to my will, not to my demands I'm about to have on these people, but open me up to your will and try this brief moment and I guarantee you it will help you to listen. As her ears were opened, the Bible said, God opened up her heart. Look at 14, put it on the screen. I gotta tell you this. A woman, a seller of purple, worshiper of God was listening and then the Bible said the Lord opened her heart to respond to the things spoken by Paul. So do you notice she listened first and then God opened her heart. As her ears were opened, God opened her heart. I got to say it again. As her ears were opened because of her worship, then God opened her heart. And God gave her what it said to respond to the things. In other words, to understand what Paul was saying. So once her ears were opened, God opened her heart. Understanding came in of what she was hearing. If you treat listening as a separate step, then God will open your heart so you can understand what was said. Oh, I'm preaching and you're not even knowing it. Perhaps because the promises were to the Jews, she had to have her heart open to receive the blessing Paul was teaching about. In other words, Paul was teaching about stuff Jewish people knew about and she didn't know anything about it. I tell people all the time, you got the new job, but your first order of agenda is to sit at the table and listen. Don't go into the meeting 
telling everybody what they need to do and what they should do. It's your first 10 days on the job, stupid. You ought to sit there and open your life up. Open your ears up. Let God open your heart up to get you there talking about things that you don't know. Yeah, you may have known it over there working at AJ Bundle, but this is RJ Tuppy. And this at RJ Tuppy, they learn this a different way. They do it a different way. Yes, the product is the product, but you got to learn to listen long enough. And mothers or boss mamas, because they've learned the art of listening and letting God open their heart. If you go to any church back in the day and still today, women are running things. Women were in charge of the deaconess board. They were in charge of a whole lot of stuff. They sang the songs. They did all of that kind of stuff. But then the church say women can't lead. Women can't. So we're going to use you, but we won't give you a title. That's hypocritical. And shame on the church for the people we've abused and hurt and used over the years. That's another sermon. But she was able to listen and to hear what Paul was saying because her heart was open. So prayer leads to worship. Worship leads to hearing. Hearing leads to understanding. And understanding leads to conversion. Let me say it again. Prayer leads to worship. Worship leads to hearing. Hearing leads to understanding. And understanding leads to conversion. Put 15 on the screen, will you please? Verse 15 says, verse 15, oh, there it is. All right, verse 15 says, and when she and her household had been baptized, she urged us saying, if you have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come into my house and stay. And she prevailed among us. So she was a woman who shared what she had gained with her family. So in other words, she listened, she had an understanding, and she said, come here, little boy, come here, little girl. She said, come here, honey, come here, family. All this stuff that Paul is teaching us, everybody's getting this. In other words, a woman, a mother is not selfish. A boss mama is not selfish. When a a boss sees something that's good for the company, she offers it to everybody. You should not be a CEO who has benefits and perks that the rest of the team and the staff aren't able to get access to. Yes, there are benefits that come to you because you have more responsibility, but the basics of basic needs and and, and health benefits of life ought to be standard across the board to the people that you are serving with. So allow your life to be shared with the people that are around you. The Bible says it was her household was baptized. It didn't say she was baptized. The story is about Lydia, but her whole household is baptized. So in other words, whenever God does something for you, he does it for your children. Whenever God something does for you, he does it for your spouse. Whenever God does something for you, he does it for the household. You hear me? Stop being a selfish, crankatorious Christian who walks around talking about all I needed, me and Jesus, and your house is going to hell. You save your house. If God saved you, then he ought to save your house. The household must have been her husband, her kids, maybe her servants. When we talk about household in the Bible, we talk about a woman who was selling purple, who was in business, who had a household and said the household, which means she may have had servants. She had people in the quarters, y'all. She had people who she, not only her family, but the household. That means people in the servants quarters got saved too. She said, even the help is about to get what I got. Do you hear what I'm saying? This woman was powerful. Don't you remember Zacchaeus? Zacchaeus went up in the tree said I got to see Jesus he said he was short in stature but he got up in the tree so he could see Jesus Jesus saw him and he said Zacchaeus because of 
your faith. He said, I will down at your household today. And the Bible said on that day, his whole household was saved. So in other words, it was Zacchaeus who saw him, but his whole house got saved. Does anybody have the strength of a franchise, the strength of a business, the strength of a relationship with God that saves the rest of your household? Let me tell you something about how I know Cherry, Whitney, and Nish is covered right now. And my wife, when they go out, when my when my family goes out, they're covered because of my relationship. They have their own, that's true, and they cover me with their relationship, but I have to be confident in what I can control, and I control the relationship I have with God. So when God worships with me, Ooh, guess who's worshiping? Little Cherry's worshiping. Little Whitney's worshiping. Kenesha's worshiping. Joy is worshiping. When I go to worship, I take my whole family. When I confess my sins, I confess sins for my whole family. Do you get what I'm saying? What God does for me, he does for the house. Never mind, y'all ain't with me on this. I don't know. I know some people have probably dropped off. As a woman with influence, possibly a mother of children, she shared her advantage with her family and says, if I have found this charge, if I have found this change to be true, then all my family must be about this. Don't you remember it was Joshua who said, choose ye this day whom ye will serve. But here he is. But as for me and what? This household, we shall serve the Lord. In other words, don't get it twisted. It's not just about me. It's about all the family. Boo, woo. (laughs) Wait a second. I'm getting carried away. A mother, a woman understands her responsibility of exposing her family to that which is good and some of you watch this service and you never even share it with your family shame on you you watch this preaching and you never even share it with your children shame on you you don't have to tell them in the bible's way just sitting at the table at breakfast eating bacon and say honey you know what i learned i learned that women are resourceful and we should plan loosely you ain't never got to mention jesus name all i'm saying is put yourself in a position where you are sharing what God has given you with the rest of your family. And verse 13 said they were down by the riverside and no doubt that's where Paul was about to baptize. Do you think the river was there by Coinkadink? No, it was not. It was there by the will of God because those who find change and those who are converted need a washing experience. And that's the thing with some of you. Some of you have changed your mind, but you haven't been baptized. The baptize is a sign. It's a public signal to say I've been changed. And that's what this riverbed is about. It's to show the other women that this Lydia of purple was no longer a woman just who was selling in Thyatira, but she was now a Christian who belonged to the Lord Jesus Christ. So why wait? Why wait, Lydia? What she was saying was, what she saying? She said, if I, if, listen, if I am who you, if I am a Christian and I fit the order of faith, baptize me now and come stay at my house. Dip me into God's eternal grace right now. Don't plan me no baptism. I don't have to, don't sign me up. Don't call the past in them four meetings before I bat. Put me, dump me right now in the river, the closest things. And that's what I've dumped people in the pool. I've dumped people at the beach. 
bitch. I'll dunk people if I got a cup of water. I'll pour it on your head in the name of Jesus to symbolize the baptism. That's all right. Y'all ain't going to go with me. I understand this new teaching. And she was saying, I believe it. And what hinders me from being baptized? Her last point was that she opened her household to live. She opened her life and her house to those who changed her life. So once she had secured the blessing for her family, she opens life to others. She said, come to my house and stay. And she prevailed upon us. She said to Paul, if you have determined that I am faithful and truly converted, meaning she left the determination to the one who taught her. In other words, she didn't try to say, yeah, I got it. I know, I know I'm saved. No, she humbly with humbleness says to him, if you think that I fit the order of faith, then come to my house. In other words, she's saying, listen, my boss mamas are humble. Boss mamas know that they're there by the mercy and the grace of God. Boss mamas understand that but for God, they he put the eggs there. He gave the seed. He made it work. It's, it's oh my God, it's the humility. It's the warmth of mothers. When you think of a mother, you don't think harsh and cruelness. You think that, you think that of daddies. You think, oh, they come to whoop my butt. But mamas are humble. They're warm. The prerequisite to inviting others into your life is the blanket of humility. Humility opens the doors to many. She worshiped. She was taught. And then she was baptized. And she was humble enough to know that that was the grace and the mercy of God. And so to show her thanks and gratitude for what they had done for her and her family, she asked them to come and stay at their house. An open house is a grateful house. A closed house is a selfish house. And a lot of you don't invite nobody over to your house because you're selfish. But when you've been by the river and you've worshipped and you've heard from God and your heart has been open and you've been converted and you got something to shout about, you have a barbecue. <laughs> you have a Holy Ghost reunion and you let people come over. Why? Because your heart is humble. You let people come in and see what God has done to you. The fact that the text says she prevailed upon us meant they weren't planning on staying. They weren't going to stay, but the Bible says she prevailed upon us, meaning that her humility and her kindness changed their mind. In other words, you can convince people by the love you show them in the invitation. If you want to change someone's mind, don't do it by force. Do it by love, humility, gratefulness, and thanksgiving. Her home, now I I end this with this, Shauna. Her home must have been big enough to accommodate Paul's entire missionary party. (laughs) So she was a woman of means and resources. Her whole household was saved. And then she invited Paul and the team not to come have dinner, but come and stay. In other words, I got bedding for all of y'all. Do you get what I'm saying? This is a boss mom who sold enough purple, who is able to have a house big enough to put... I'm telling you, God will expand your tent pegs. He will expand your sphere of influence. And I told you what the perks are, uh, how business changes you. God will open your life if you open your life to other people. When you open your life to God through worship and listening and change, then God will open your expanse so you can accommodate his blessings. The Bible said that he poured, opened up the windows of heaven and poured out a, a blessing where there wasn't 
wasn't room enough to store. In other words, you've got to have capacity for God to put something in it. Your life has to be open if you want God to put something in it. Stop asking God to give you something, but you haven't opened up. The sign of opening up, the God, the sign of God giving you more is that you've been faithful with the little he's given you. Celebrate the little you have. I learned this. I learned this just this week. That when God grows us gradually, we don't see the change. In other words, you don't see yourself grow. You, As a physical, you don't see yourself grow. You grow probably when you're sleeping or walking. Because it's gradual, you don't celebrate it. Most of us want change that happens overnight. We go from $500 to $5 million. Most does not happen that way. So God has to teach you the faithfulness. God don't get to, of walking day after day in the gradual incline of him changing and growing you into maturity. And that if you look at your life, if you look at your life while you complaining, if you look at your life and say, look back 10 years ago and you will see, oh heck, I am not where I used to be. And you will stop complaining because what you will really see is that you have been growing every day since you left that foolishness. Every day since you have walked away from that old lifestyle You have been growing, but because it's not immediate, it's gradual. You don't celebrate it. You don't recognize it. Shame on you. I'm learning how to celebrate every day. My value. Ooh, yeah, baby. I've made some progress. I am not who I used to be. And so don't put me back in that corner. So her home was big enough. Her life was open. And mothers can always make room. Women can find a way to make it happen. When we used to go to spend night, you're going to spend the night. You're going to, can, can, mama, can they spend the night? Mama, can, mama, can they spend the night? Mama, mama say, sure they can, baby. We'll make room. In other words, we put a pallet on the floor. We make a tent. We make it, we do it all. We, we had bunk beds. Me and Ducci, we, I keep saying that. Me and my brother, we, we, we was in the bunk bed. And, and Sharon and Dylan, they, they had bunk beds, and we had two and two. There's four of us. We was in the same room, and we had these bunk beds, but we always had room enough if somebody had to come over and had to have a sleepover. And then we go next door over to Wayne's, and Miss Wilson, she let us come over, and we go, we spend the night. There was always room. We go into Wayne and them den, and they pull out the divan, they pull out the pull out bed, and we pull out the pull out bed, and somebody got a, uh, you know, them black people, they got a pull out bed somewhere in that house. They got one in the garage. Don't play with us. What a powerful story. This purple, this woman of purple, this seller of garments is what a boss mom. And so in conclusion, I celebrate you mamas today. The whole point of Mother Day, the whole point of this mother, the whole point of our business is to create change. And I want you to see yourself as a woman who is there to create change. I want you to see your value as a powerful boss mom who creates change. Lisa, you create change in your family. Preacher, you create change for your daughters. Sharon, you create change for those in your household. Carolyn, you create change. Shauna, you create change. That's your power. How do you do it? With the power of your business. What is the business? It's the family business. It's the business that God gave me. A mother isn't supposed to try to create children exactly like them, but their children should be different. Why? Because the mother has learned some things over time, and she now can raise children that are not like her, but are different. Don't let your children, don't let your family 
only be the exact you. Learn to build people to be different because God has changed you. Mothers are great at business because they are open to change and they want change. And when they change, they open that change to others. Their hospitality opens the gospel in ways stubborn men will never be able to experience. Thank you, women. Thank you, Sister Dorothy Myers. Thank you, Missionary Ruth Griffin. Thank you, uh, Betsy. Thank you, uh, 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 Zena Iowa. Thank you to all the women, America Washington, Shirley Russo. Thank you to these trailblazers, Gladys Williams. Come on, yes. Thank you, Sister Johnson. Thank you to all of these women who were there to help raise us up and to build us up, who brought the gospel to us, who taught us. Thank you, Deborah Mercer, for doing the, 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 the Sunday school presentation with the felt pictures. Thank you for teaching us as children, David and Goliath and Ezekiel and saw the wheel in the middle of the wheel and all of those. Thank you, women. Thank you to you extraordinary mothers of honor. Thank you, thank you, thank you for your powerful wisdom for collecting us and calling us into a place of righteousness so that we could amount to be something of change for the world today. She was not only she was the first European Christian to be baptized, but she also opened Europe up to the gospel. Who are you opening up to what God has given you? Mothers understand that what happens to them is teachable to those they nurture. They always have their ears open and they always have their hearts before God. So on this Mother's Day, we honor all the mothers, Dolores. I'm glad your daughter is on. We honor all the mothers who may never have run a physical corporate business, but every day they have run their households like a Fortune 500 company. You a boss mom, D-Lo. You a boss mom. You a boss mom, Terry. You a boss mom. You have run your household well. You are amazing creatures, and we salute you today, and hopefully we can learn Learn from your tremendous contributions and sacrifices. Happy Mother's Day to all you business and family experts for God. This is your day. I'm PC, and that's all. Pow! I've got. Ah.